All right, guys, welcome into the latest episode of the Start 11 podcast. My name is Emilio Pena, and I've got Grant rolling with me here today. Back again, the seasons have uh, wrapped up in just about every single league now, just awaiting the Champions League final and uh, maybe some other small finals here and there throughout the, I know the conference, the conference league is still going on too. So a few more finals to go, but just about end of the year. So uh, just going to do a little small little recap, looking back at, you know, some of these leagues and the winners. I figured we'd start off with uh, Manchester City since they are still playing in the Champions League and they did just win the FA Cup as well. But as far as the Premier League goes, this is their fifth in six years is, um, you know, starting to look like a reign of terror as a fan of an English side. It's a it's definitely not encouraging. It's starting to get to that point where it's anybody but City. From my perspective, obviously, I'd like Liverpool to win since that's my club. But you know, I was pulling for Arsenal at the end just for some for some parity, so to speak. Now that we've discussed that they're the you know the champion again, Grant, I wanted to ask you going into next season, if you had to pick one club to rival Man- Manchester City, who would you say is most likely to knock them off the throne? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually wrote down three potential clubs, but I'll kind of go in order of like who I think has the best chance. Uh, starting, we'll go bottom to top to make it interesting. Okay. Yeah. So in third, <laughs> third place, I have United. I mean, big club. I think they can be really dangerous with a killer transfer window, but that's I mean, I guess a lot of teams, to be fair, but just the attraction of Manchester United, like the pull they have, it wouldn't surprise me if they brought in now that they have like a Tin Hog, like a solid manager. It seems like they have a direction now. It's definitely like an attractive place to go. But I think their one flaw is kind of what we've been talking about all year. And like, I think you could hear it if you just listen to all the podcasts in a row is the inconsistency. Like when we started this, it was like uh, United like are just bad they started the season really bad and then we went on like i feel like a month or two of just like dude they might be the best team in the world right now we thought they they might you know catch up to city and united or city and arsenal yeah and then they just had another fall from grace so it's like i don't know and it is ten hogs first year there was like the ronaldo drama and whatever but yeah consistency i think is one thing to like watch out for them next year uh next i have newcastle i really like the way like they're growing it's like a slow rise they're not just going out buying spending a ton of money on just a bunch of players uh they're slowly building this team but i think one thing to keep an eye on with them is obviously champions league this year like we've talked about it before the troubles with having staying competitive in all these competitions uh we'll see how they do i don't think they're they have too much depth on uh in their squad so it'll be kind of interesting to see how they kind of maintain and navigate those waters and in first place i have tottenham hotspur <laughs> i don't actually i, I have so. your boys the big reds we have liverpool i mean we saw how they finished the season once like all their injury problems kind of went away tough start to the year again like just injury plague it's tough and I mean, to be fair, like things going for them is the biggest one, I think, is Jurgen Klopp. I mean, the dude's just incredible. Um, we've, we saw just Trent Alexander-Arnold potentially missing the World Cup just because performances and him just going down and Klopp works his magic and uh, brings him back kind of back to life in this weird, new, like cool, fun position that's just like, I don't know, this like new age of like soccer, I guess. It's 
really interesting to see. I think they're going to be a little bit dependent on the transfer window, kind of filling those spots. But another reason I think uh, they're going to battle probably the closest and challenge the most uh, is the opposite of United. Uh, as of right now, no Champions League. Uh, I don't think these big clubs that are typical Champions League teams care too much about Europa League, but we'll see. Obviously, I think there's still a chance Liverpool will go in, but uh, at the current moment, I think that's just a big favor and helping Liverpool challenge. Kind of like you were just saying right now about the Europa League, it seems like early on in the tournament, maybe they'll, uh, you know, let some of the younger guys get in and let that be a rest for some of their, you know, veteran players. In this instance, you know, maybe Salah, Van Dyke, you know, they, they'll probably get some rest time and let, you know, guys like Nunez and Harvey Elliott get some game time and, you know, let them develop further and get that form going for them, which will ultimately help them in the league, kind of like what you're saying. Plus, the news today made official about Alexi McAllister. It's a huge addition, in my opinion, world champion. Yeah. So should be more than that coming. But as of now, that's what's confirmed. Tiago should be back healthy to strengthen up the midfield. And like I had mentioned, Harvey Elliott and uh, Stefan Bashatich, you know, some young yeah. guys, hopefully. I uh, say, another year under the belt for the boy. Exactly. I was reading an article on, I think it was goal.com and it was mm-hmm. like rank. It was like giving grades for all the Liverpool players. And he was, I think he was third behind Salah and Allison as far as like blank out of 10. So definitely yeah. encouraging for the under 20 player. I do agree with you about United. I would put them in that ranking as far as teams that could compete. Like you said, one year under the belt for Ten Hag. Plus, it's just United. So they're always going to be strong, especially with having a strong head coach and a strong culture now established. I will say, though, the only spot, not that Newcastle won't contend, but I think Arsenal yeah. will still be in the thick of it with, uh, you know, Mel- Mikel Arteta has fully established his culture. And it seems like they're getting back to those winning ways of Arsenal in the late 90s, early 2000s when they had uh, Arsene Wenger. Rumors that they might sign players such as Declan Rice or uh, Caicedo from, from Brighton. I've heard a few rumors of that. So, you know, it would just be getting stronger, getting some more depth because... You're talking about these champion league champions league teams. I don't know how well that they would be able to manage because they didn't have they obviously didn't have champions league this year. It'll be interesting to see how guys like Saka and Odegaard and Martinelli how they how they fare when they're playing these midweek fixtures because it seems like when they were in the thick of it for the Europa League is when things started to fall apart for them. I think uh, Saliba got hurt and and that kind of derailed yeah. their season. So that's kind of the thing that's allowed Manchester to be so successful is like, you know, someone gets hurt or someone's out of form, like Pep can just bench them and bring in someone new. Like there was a point in the season, I think De Bruyne was just not playing like himself and they, they didn't lose a step, you know, eventually De Bruyne came back in the lineup and he's been on fire, but that depth is the, is the key, I think for, for these clubs to compete. And real quickly, before I, I finish going back to Trent Alexander-Arnold, I don't think a single player this season as high of highs as he had while also having as low of lows as he had because there was a point where it was just it was looking like it was it was wraps for him because as great as he is at passing he's equally as poor at defending and you can afford that when the midfield's really strong and the, the, the back line's really strong I'm not really sure where I was going with that but I just wanted to bring up the fact that he did have some really low lows and the way that they finished the season on a high with him especially on he had like a I think like eight assists in the last two months or so which is just incredible 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, just real quickly on that, like as a Liverpool fan, I know it wasn't like you didn't really meet expectations because I don't know, with Klopp recently, you guys are like constantly kind of go- making runs in the Champions League, like fighting for the title. Uh, it was kind of an unfortunate year, but like, I think it's very like, I don't know, like a good feeling seeing Klopp be able to revive Trent Alexander-Arnold like that, like just knowing his defensive, like in capabilities or whatever. But I mean, he was successful before that and still had to defend and he just finds a way to make it work and yeah if i'm liverpool i'm just doing whatever i can to keep Klopp because he's yeah. absolutely world class there so. was a point in the season where we were talking about him getting the sack and and you know liverpool was 10th in the hey. in the table and it's just it's a remarkable turnaround and if you ask me yeah i want to go back when you guys win the league next year and have the clip of me saying like january february whenever it was like liverpool cannot fire Klopp, mm-hmm. dude that'd be the worst decision in like the club's history and i'm yeah. pretty sure like you agreed but i 100 yeah. agree my cousin yeah. who to spare viewers listeners the long story he's part of the reason i'm a liverpool supporter his family's from liverpool his the the side that we don't share blood, so to speak, is from Liverpool. But when we were talking about the team midseason, he's like, just as long if we lose Klopp, I, I'm gonna lose hope for this club, man. And I think that's a very accurate way of putting it because he is it's just I don't know if there's a, a manager in the like all of football who kind of just like embodies the club as well as he does, in my opinion. But Maybe I'm just being a homer. Who knows? I did want to transition from that into some of these other leagues. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Klopp's former team. I think the previous episode that we did, I think we were kind of assuming that Dortmund were going to do it based off of the the team that they were playing. The the mind side wasn't, you know, the the strongest, so to speak. You know, they they uh, they bottled it pretty poorly pretty badly going down two nil pretty early and Hilaire missing that penalty kick maybe prior to 20 minutes in the game and then of course Bayern and win their game and it was it was uh it was even for a good chunk and then Musiala scored a winner pretty late both teams had the same amount of points I think 71 points 72 points yeah. or something like that which obviously we're talking about Dortmund bottling it but Bayern win the title if you ask most Bayern fans I don't think they'd be obviously they're thrilled to win the title and win the league but this is like probably the worst Byron performance we've had in this little 11 year stretch that they've won the league. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I feel like the last couple of years, this year obviously was the worst because it like it was in Dortmund's hands. They just had to win the game. In previous years, it was like over two thirds of the way of the season, Dortmund had like a four or five point lead in the in the table. Uh, like, let's see how they can carry out the year and they kind of choke it away. Um, and it's just been like a common theme. And as a big Marco Royce fan, probably my not my favorite non Barcelona player ever. I'm so annoyed with Dortmund at this point, to be completely honest, because I get like the club is built around like developing talent, like a lot of your income is like developing players you buy for cheap, selling them for big money or whatever. Uh, And that's what kind of Dortmund's known for. But at some point, like you have any ambition to win anything other than a DFB Pokal, I'd be I'm just super frustrated that game. I think I mean, there have been classicos where Barcelona has been thrashed. And I don't think I was as mad as I don't know what it was about that game just because I don't know Bundesliga as like I would love to be like a bigger fan but there's just like no parody it's so Bayern mm-hmm. dominant the only like plus side that came out of it was uh the American boy Giovanni Reina coming off the bench to assist to at least give Dortmund hope but yeah it was very disappointing because again it was the one time it was one game in Dortmund's hands like it was up to them and yeah they just 
Could they were at been. home too, right? I'm not sure. It might have been at Mines. But I think I, so I too. Remember, I remember watching the game though, and that stadium was full of uh, Dortmund fans. Because remember when uh, who Bayern were playing, but when they the won sprinklers. that penalty, oh, I'm thinking of something else. They, <laughs> in their game against uh, uh, Cologne, Cologne, whatever, there was a okay. there was a point where like the sprinklers came up in the last uh, game. Okay. I thought you were talking about that. Oh no! When because uh, if Bayern drew and Dortmund drew, uh, Dortmund won the title. Dor- or uh, Bayern were up one nil, and then gave away a pen, and it was converted. And like the whole stadium, you heard just like start cheering. So even right. if it was away, it felt like a Dortmund home game, which makes it almost even worse. But I think part of the reason why I thought it was a home game was because after the game, Jude Bellingham posted something on Instagram, and it was a really cool picture where he was in the foreground blurred but then in the background you saw the yellow wall and they were in focus and just for some photography nerds they would love that but i thought that that might have taken place at that game and oh, his, you might be right his injury was really unfortunate because he i think Such he missed the last timing. two games i know it's just terrible timing because i mean he won bundesliga player of the year too which yeah um ultimately doesn't mean as much without the title as he put it so um and did you, you know it looks like they're probably gonna lose him this summer yeah did you see the post too that the real trophy was in dortmund or wherever they're playing because they just assumed like Bayern right. celebrated with the replica That's that nuts. just hurts even more dog like mm-hmm. everyone was like dude this is your trophy like take yeah. it and they just couldn't they uh they took one out of the spurs page as far as bottling goes yeah <laughs> Moving on, though, to well, actually real quick, I wanted to ask a super quick question because I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Christopher and Cuckoo, who it's like the worst kept secret that has yet to be confirmed that he's going to Chelsea. Yeah. But, unless you're Morgan. Unless you're Morgan. Yeah. But <laughs> he won like the golden boot for Bundesliga despite missing like I think he only played in like 20 games or something like that. Which yeah. Is, which is outrageous. But do you think that Leipzig had a chance maybe if he never if he never missed that time? Do you think that they had a chance to compete? Because because when you look at the table, they aren't that far out. Yeah, they were they were at sixty six points. So I mean, it's a few you take games, two of those just... losses or two ties. You know, that's yeah. Give those wins like that's you know that's a decent shift in points. No, I think you're a hundred percent correct i mean it's crazy just thinking that like he finished his top scorer and played like half of the season right but yeah back to like the chelsea thing though it'll be interesting to kind of watch him there because he is kind of like a Zhao felix i feel like where it's not like pure like poaching striker like a lewandowski or he's like a second striker yeah and like I don't know, these past like 20 years that has not worked out for Chelsea. I just kind of going through all of them. But I mean, if he's doing that in the Bundesliga, like Chelsea are going through problems. But I do think it's funny, though, that Morgan was adamant. He's like, he signed for Chelsea in the winter. We're like, dude, I don't see that anywhere. He's like, dude, I promise. And it's like breaking news. Morgan reported first that he's going to Chelsea. It'll be interesting. Like you said, it'll be interesting because, you know, inform Nkuku plus Lukaku, who's dating Meg the Stallion. Allegedly, like that combo would go crazy up front. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. I wanted to transition to your team, Barcelona. I think we had maybe briefly talked about it, but I still think it's worth getting into. They they won the La, they won La Liga for uh, the first time in I think four years. It's the first time in the post Messi era, which might be a small era. We might get into that in a little bit too. It might be a quick spell. But um, I wanted to ask, like now that that's you know you guys have won the league under Xavi and everything. I think it's his first. Yeah, definitely his first time winning it as a manager, of course, several times as a player. That's uh, goes without saying. I'm guessing the next step is is contending for Europe and bringing in maybe a few more players and just developing this team because it is a really young team. You got the the midfield duo Pedri Gavi and then Balde, another uh, La Masia product. Uh, yeah. Ronald Araujo, one of the best young center backs in the world, I'd say. 
And then, I mean, Lewandowski up front, just carrying it down. I think he won boot, uh, golden boot for La Liga too, I think. So yeah, that's got to be the next step. But in my opinion, is is challenging for, you know, some European competition. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's funny you bring up Messi because the first thing, like kind of my notes was uh, like after this post-Messi era, we win one trophy. And as of June 5th, 2023, it's reported our financial plan was okay. So it looks like Messi's coming back. Yeah, I mean, we just need to continue being smart. Like what brought us back, from like where we were was like the youth signings uh getting them play time into the squad uh good scouting like fitting our culture and style bringing that barcelona back because like that's what we know and then just being smart on the market i mean christensen was incredible this year we got him for free kessie for free uh lewandowski on a really good deal uh we just need to continue that and not signing these i don't know mega signings and like you kind of look around the league like outside of holland who had a release clause like city's not doing anything crazy they're getting good prices on players they'll have their odd but they're not like financially in debt or what anything uh liverpool have their odd expensive Mm -hmm. signing but they usually do really good business so we just can't get caught up in like the psg or real madrid where they can afford to kind of splash money and uh they'll be all right but yeah europe is definitely like number one on our list maybe not necessarily winning the champions league as nice as that would be next year like we still have to remember like we're still in financial trouble even though it's gotten better like we're still like kind of limited but just like not losing sight and like jumping too early uh into these things but yeah i think we definitely need to make a decent little run in uh europe this year just to i don't know kind of get that bad juju out of the club get some of these guys kinda, some experience too in the, in the european exactly and kind of raise morale because i mean last time i mean we the last couple years we've gone out in the group stage of the champions league before that it was the liverpool and then before that it was roma the thrashing from bayern munich like we just need to get that morale out of the club and like remember like we're european giants and we're competing with this and kind of get that because this is a new fresh team like but yeah definitely europe is going to be like the standard next year we'll get into it a little bit later but maybe it might be a, a great time to strike too because it looks like the uh it's an end of an era in Bar- or not barcelona in real madrid you know some some of their uh more tenured players are moving away it appears to be before we get to that though i wanted to as we, we we talked about napoli because they won the league so they won the league yeah. so early that we talked about it already but yeah. But congratulations to Napoli, Scudetto. You. Oh. you know, uh, well, congratulations to you as well because it's a great feeling yeah. to be a league champion. Um, yeah. But we do have to talk about uh, PSG. They did win League League One again. Uh, I think it's like eighth time in eleven years, ninth time in eleven years, something like that. But it seems like it seems like a lot of PSG supporters and the players were just ready to get the season over with. You got yeah. Messi leaving confirmed. You got. Sergio Ramos leaving confirmed. Verratti left the field kind of in, um, you know, they were doing the trophy celebration thing and he, he kind of just like walked off afterwards with Messi and Neymar and also uh, their manager, uh, Galtier. They seem like they're in a state of flux. Like, like for the longest time, it seems like they've just been like pseudo Galactico era where it's like, let's just bring in players are established and, and, you know, it looks good on paper. Like you're playing FIFA, like this is the best team clearly, but obviously it's not how it works. If you're an NBA fan and watching the NBA finals right now, you're seeing that with the Miami Heat. It's a, a team that no one really expected to make it this far. Sometimes, oftentimes rather in sports, it's, it's more than just about like, the players on the on the sheet rather so if you were in charge of of psg what do you think would be the best step forward because 
I know that uh, they're supposed to be getting like Marco Asensio and there's rumors that Nagelsmann might be their new manager with Thierry Henry as an assistant, which I don't know if that's like an Mbappe thing or like if that's just a PSG thing. It's 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 interesting to it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. And I think the I didn't even think about that, but like the heat comparison is like perfect. Uh, I'd compare like. I feel like the Miami Heat are like a Newcastle, like kind of slowly building. Like I think we were talking the other day, we were watching Newcastle and Leicester play, and Drew was like, "Oh, who's Newcastle's star player?" It's like I guess they don't really have like a guy; they're just really good, and you kind of build from that. So if I'm PSG, I'm looking at Newcastle strategy and kind of mimicking that, but they just need to explode. I know last year, I think it was last year, they gave this whole speech thing, media release, talking about, "Yeah, we're gonna build a culture here." like we're going to take step and they just have not done that but yeah like you said just throwing a bunch of stars together does not win you games like you need to have i don't know some kind of like football mentality like style of play culture there and then have fine players that fit that and it's not always going to be like the neymars of the worlds or the sergio ramoses or whoever but like you need a solid like there are a lot of guys i love at barcelona but i know just won't fit the way we play and psg just are fortunate that the league isn't that strong and they can kind of get away with it but it's been kind of proven in europe that like when you're going up against like the elite teams in the world like it just does not work out because while they have like the more talented team on paper like it's not individual talent that's going to win you games it's system so uh they still yeah, think, won the league by one point yeah i was just about to say that too i was shocked um i saw some like espn fc or some instagram post saying that and i looked at the table and i was like what like i thought they were way out but no they were and i think they won the game this past week so if they would have somehow lost it they lose the league right right yeah would have been wild and i mean respect to to lens lens uh but like dog come on that team in any other of the top five leagues is like mid table at best like and that's who you're fighting like come on now like <laughs> again since like, you since you head. said that i just have a super quick question that just came in my head do you think if like you took brighton and put them in league one that they're like contending for the title or like how what do you think that they would how do you think that they would uh fare uh i think they'd definitely be maybe not contending with the title and maybe that's PSG and kind of Byron's problem. We can get into that later. There's not competition. So it doesn't feel like any urgency in the league, but Brighton in league one, I think would be, I mean, again, like how many times do you think Brighton, if Lons and Brighton played 10 times, like I have Brighton winning probably eight of them and they finished mm-hmm. second, like almost won the league, snuck it from PSG. So um, yeah, I think they'd definitely be easily at top for team probably competing for the title in there that, that would be interesting because you know i think they only get two champions league spots like guaranteed so yeah it, it's kind of just like a reflection on the league when you see that like it's not as strong they just happen to have a club that is owned by like a multi-billionaire or whatever their owner however much he makes but that definitely has helped them helped them since the the takeover because they're not like a you know massively historic club or anything they're just pretty yeah. rich I mean, their most historic club is probably Marseille, and they mm-hmm. haven't been like I think they were up there, kind of competing later in the year. But like these past, I don't remember the last time Marseille was like a threatening team in the league in general. I mean, Lyon, but even they haven't been great these past couple mm-hmm. years. So I think the French league in general needs some work. But mm-hmm. that's a every once in a while, Monaco will have some good players come out, like Chouamani yeah, but, and Bappe, but they're like Fabino. a Dortmund. It's 
Right. Yeah, Dortmund and Ajax, like they just can't keep them for as rich as Monaco is, which is crazy. But I wonder what it's like be like being at that club because like Monaco is like I mean I don't even know how big country is like it's basically like a town in France, like a city state. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like all like urban so like i don't know that'd be interesting yeah. to go to a game there because in american sports we always see like players want to be in like the big city like the new york the la miami like weather and stuff mm-hmm. but i mean in europe like players will willingly go up to and play in germany and like it's not the nicest weather like up there all the time and i'd, I'd figure like a lot of players would be attracted to and want to go to like the monacos and kind of build them up but yeah 